Blog Talk Radio. Thank you. 
All right, let's sing it together. You ready? The family of God. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. Join heirs with Jesus as we travel this God. For I'm part of the family, the family of God. All right, let's remain standing. Robert, come on. We're going to take care of this morning's offering. Uh, we got any prayer requests this morning? <coughs> Miss Charlotte? Help. Your help? Amen. All right. Any others this morning? Any other prayer requests this morning? Salvation. 
get excited about mine because I'm excited about it. Amen. I don't know how anybody could get bored with it, but if you're not excited about yours, get excited about mine because I'm, I'm sure excited that I'm saved and going to heaven. Amen. Victory in Jesus. Let's sing it. If you're saved and you're glad about it, sing it out strong. I heard an old, old story. How Savior came from glory. How he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning, of his precious blood's atoning. Then I repented of my sin and won the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. Praise God, he loved me and I knew him. And all my love is to him. He plunged me to victory. I heard about his healing, of his cleansing power revealing, how he made the lame to walk again. Dear Jesus, come and heal my broken spirit. And somehow Jesus came and brought to me the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. Praise God, he loved me ere I knew him. And all my love is to him. He puts me to victory. He needs the cleansing blood. I heard about a mansion. He is built for me in glory. And I heard about the streets of gold beyond the crystal sea. About the angel singing and the old redemption story. And some sweet day I'll sing up there the song of victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me. With his redeeming blood. Praise God, he loved me ere I knew him. And all my love is to him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing blood. Hallelujah. I'm on the winning side. I've got the victory. Hallelujah. The devil can't touch that. Now, you know what? I don't remember what they tell me on the news. They can't affect all that. Amen? My victory I have can't nobody take away. Amen? 178, footprints of Jesus. 178. 
Sweetly, Lord, have we heard thee calling, come follow me. And we see where thy footprints falling lead us to thee. Footprints of Jesus that make the pathway glow. We will follow the steps of Jesus where they go. Though they lead o'er the cold, dark mountains, seeking his sheep. For along by the lowest mountains, helping the weak. Footprints of Jesus that make the pathway glow. We will follow the steps of Jesus where there they go. If they lead through the temple, holy preaching the word, or in homes of the poor and lowly serving the Lord, good friends of Jesus that make the pathway go. We will follow the steps of Jesus wherever they go. Then at last when on high he sees us, our journey done. We will rest when the steps of Jesus is at his That makes the pathway glow. We will follow the steps of Jesus where they go. Turn over to 195. Glory to his name. 195. <laughs> Down at the cross where my Savior died, down where for cleansing from sin I cried, there to my heart was the blood of God. Glory to his name, glory to his name, glory to his name, there to my heart was the blood of God. I am the one brought saved from sin. Jesus so sweetly abides within. There at the cross where he took me in. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. There to my heart was the blood of life. Glory to his name. Oh, precious fountain that saved from sin. I am so glad I have entered in. There Jesus saves me and keeps me clean. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory 
Philip's four daughters telling him that. He had Agabus, the prophet, who came down and told him that. He'd been told again and again. And just to remind everybody, Paul, the apostle Paul, was sent out by God to go to the Gentiles. How many Gentiles we got in here this morning? Hold them up. You a Gentile? How many Jews do we have? Put it that way. You a Jew? Okay. Well, you part Jewish? Okay. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, you're a Gentile. We're all in the family of God. Amen. But praise God, Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. And he was not sent to go to, to the Jews. God did not send him there. But his heart was with the Jews. Amen. God, it's kind of interesting how God took Paul, who was like, he was like the model Jew. He was like the, and he, and he even said that. He, he said that he, was the, he was the Hebrew of the Hebrews. Amen. I mean, he's, if, if, you could, if you could draw up a, a caricature of the perfect Hebrew, there's Paul. Okay? <clears throat> but God says, no, you're not going to them. You're going to people that you hate. He hated the Gentiles. Every Jew hated the Gentiles. That was, that was, the, way, well, that was the way they were raised. They were the most racist, prejudiced people in the entire world were the Jews. To this day, they still are. Now, I'm not knocking on them. I'm just telling you that's the truth. They, they, they because they're God-chosen people, they look, they look down on others that weren't. And uh, so Paul had this great desire to win his people to the Lord, and, and, and he did at the cost. It didn't make a difference the cost, amen? He done counted the cost. Paul had already died once on the side of the road outside of Lystra. Uh, he was thrown out there dead. God raised him back up on his feet, and he went right back into town and challenged them, I guess. Uh, but uh, Paul wasn't afraid to die. Paul, Paul had done made peace with death back then when he when he went to third heaven and talked to God. Amen. He 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 done realized, hey, that ain't a bad thing to do to go to heaven. Uh, you know, I've done I done I done been through death and it wasn't that bad because I mean I went and seen the Lord. Amen. He sent me back, told me to keep my mouth shut, but it's not that bad to die. So ever since that day, I believe Paul has been on a kamikaze mission. If I die, I die. Big deal. If I die, I die. He said it before. You know, I'm in a strait betwixt the two, having a desire to part, but being with you, which is far. I mean, and being with Christ, which is far better. But he knew that they needed him, so he was kind of. I don't know what to do. I'd rather die than be here. So again, the threat of death is nothing to Paul. Paul has this idea. You remember when he left Ephesus, he told the people, he said, you shall see my face no more, right? Because he believed he was going to die when he went to Jerusalem. He was going to go and, and give his life. He'd already said if he could die, if he could, if he could die and go to hell and all of them go to heaven, then he would make that trade. I wouldn't have made that trade. You wouldn't have made that trade, but that's the kind of love he had for the Jews. He was willing to, to he was willing to sacrifice his own soul for them. You know, I think Paul was just trying to be Christ like. I think that's really what he was trying to do. He was trying to, to yield himself like Christ had yielded himself. I believe that's where his heart was, even though he was going against the will of God in doing so. Because God clearly never told Paul go to the Jews. He sent him to send him to the Gentiles. Matter of fact, I believe with all my heart, Paul's, Paul's uh, the will of God at that moment was for Paul to go to Rome, but Paul did not go. But anyway, let's get into the scripture. The day following, Paul went with us into unto James, and all the elders were present. So you had a you had the church at Jerusalem. Okay, this is the church that had been there since, since we started off in Acts in the very beginning, and James. 
the Lord's brother is the leader of that church. Okay? So we went unto James, and all the elders were present. And when he had saluted them, we all said hi, and everybody shook hands and everything. He declared particularly what things God had wrought among the Gentiles by his ministry. He had been on three missionary journeys. He had seen scores and scores and scores of people get saved. And so he's there. He's he's given them all the details of all the Gentiles that had gotten saved and the Jews that had gotten saved and everything. And verse 20 says, And when they heard it, they glorified the Lord. They were excited to hear how many people got saved. And they said unto him, now look here, here's where it gets a little wonky. And they said unto him, thou seest, brother, how many thousands of Jews there are which believe. Now remember when we, when we left Jerusalem, there were like 20,000 people that had gotten saved at that time. Now this had continued on since then. People had been getting saved by the, in the droves. So he's, he's, he's saying to Paul, he said, now look here, you need to realize Thousands of Jews that believe, and they are all, now get this, zealous of the law. That's a problem. You see, they got saved. They believed on Jesus, he said, but they had a hard time leaving the law behind. That's all they'd ever known. They they had been raised up with the law of Moses. So for them to say, well, okay, we'll just leave all that alone, they were, they were struggling with that, and they and they were very zealous of the law and keeping all the things that they had kept before. And he said in verse 21, and they are informed of thee. They didn't heard some stuff about you, Paul. Thou teachest all the Jews which are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses. Now, hold on, Paul. Wait a minute. What are you doing here, buddy? You're telling them all to leave the law of Moses alone, saying they ought not to circumcise their children, neither to walk after the customs? He said, what is it? What is it there for? So what, what is it? What's the deal, man? The multitude must needs come together, for they will hear that thou art come. They'll find out you're here. They want to know what the deal is, because we've heard all this. Listen, he said, we, we're, we want unity in the body of Christ. All right, well, let's stop right there, and let's, let's look at something real quick. Since the first missionary journey of Paul, Paul has been preaching to Jews. I want you to turn to chapter 13. Turn back here in your Bible to chapter 13 with me. We're going to do a little, a little studying as we go through this. We're going to look at quite a few scriptures. Uh, chapter 13 and verse 16. Chapter 13 and verse 16. Again, this is the, this is the, uh, the first missionary journey of the Apostle Paul, which began, it began up here in, uh, in verse 4 of chapter 13. Then Paul stood up, beckoning with his hand, and said, Men of Israel and ye that fear God give audience. Paul starts there and he, he, he delivers this message. And I'm not going to go through this entire message here, but he delivers this message to the Jews and it is a who message. He's preaching to them, Jesus Christ is the Son of God because he's preaching to Jews who had not received that message. They had not accepted Christ as their Messiah. And in order for them to believe on Christ as their Savior, they've got to see him as the Messiah. They've got to see him as literally God's Son. So he begins preaching that to them. And down at the end of that chapter, or close to the end of that chapter, in verse 38 and 39, I want you to listen to what he says. He says, Be it known unto you, therefore, 
Men and brethren, that through this man, talking about Jesus, is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him all that believe are justified from all things from which he could not be justified by the law of Moses. Let me break that down for everybody. Amen? He says, you need to understand, fellas, that through this man, this is the only way you can be saved. You can't be saved by keeping the law. You can't be saved by abstaining from certain meats. You can't be saved by following certain customs and doing this and doing that and being good and not doing that. Those things won't save you. It's only through this man that you have salvation. And it says, and by him, by his salvation, all that believe are justified from all things. That word justified means it's just as if I'd never sinned. Amen? If you're justified, it's just as if you'd never sinned. Amen? Jesus Christ took our sins, and he bore those sins. He was punished as a sinful creature on the cross, even though he had no sin of his own. He paid my sins, and therefore the devil can come to God every day and say, See, look at what Brandon, he failed, he messed up, he did it again, he's messed up. And Jesus said, Yes, but he's justified. Because of my blood that was shed for him. Look at my hands and my feet, Father. He is just as if he'd never sinned. Amen, preacher. That's good right there. Amen. So he's preaching this message, of, uh, uh, the who message of who Jesus is, but he's telling them that even though it's who he is, it's what he has done. You can't get saved without him. Amen. So these Jews, I'm kind of curious about it. I don't know that John really knows, uh, James is really telling the truth here when he says they believe. Because how is it possible that you believe and yet you still follow the law? Or the, I think they're religious but lost, honestly. Because, let's, let's, I mean, let's think about it. All right? Galatians chapter 5. I want you to look there. Galatians chapter 5. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul's addressing this issue. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 through 4. All right, he's therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ had made us free. Free. That means I'm not bound by sin anymore. Amen. Liberty means I'm free, right? I'm, I'm free from it. Christ has given me liberty. And he says, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. For I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. In other words, if you're going to follow the Jewish religion instead of believing on Christ, then Christ ain't going to do anything for you. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you. What Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. And look, Paul said, you, it's one or the other, right? It's one or the other. Either Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on Calvary pays the debt for your sins, or those lambs that you keep going back to sacrificing because you want to keep the law, either either their blood is covering your sins or Jesus did. You can't have it both ways. It's one or the other. And that's what Paul's trying to say to them. Galatians 2.16. Where did I, where did I turn away from that for? Galatians 2.16. He said, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed 
in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. There is no work, listen to me, there's no work that anybody could do, no good deed, no good thing that anybody could do that God would say, okay, that's good enough, you can come to heaven now. Nothing. He said, well, I'm, the, I'm a good person, man. I, you don't understand, I've lived a good life. I don't care. It doesn't mean a rat prayer in whether you've lived a good life or not. You sin. Amen? I, li- I, like a, I, I don't follow everything he says, but I do like old Ray Comfort and the way, way he does things when he witnesses people because he says, hey, well, we, have to, we, have to, we have a moral law, right? We have the Ten Commandments. And he said, well, let's go by God's law and let's see how good a person you are because they all say, I'm a good person. I'm, I'm good. I've lived a good life. Well, okay. Uh, it, it says in there... Uh, uh, thou, thou shalt not, thou shalt not uh, bear false witness. How many of y'all in here have told a lie? Anybody? Be honest. Okay. So all of us admit we're liars, right? Okay. All right. Anybody ever stole anything? I don't care how little it was or how long ago it was. How many have ever stole something? So all of us are lying thieves, right? Okay. All right. Anybody ever been mad enough you hated somebody? I'm not saying you do it anymore. I'm saying you've ever been mad enough that you felt like you hated somebody in your life. Okay, God, Jesus said if, if, we, if we feel it, we were, we're, it's as if we were murderers, amen? So we're murdering, lying, thieving. Anybody ever looked on the opposite sex with lust in your heart? So Jesus said he makes you an adulterer. So, I mean, if we go down that list, we can see we're all guilty, right? So ain't nobody can hold up their hands and say, well, I've been a good person all my life, and I've lived all good life, and I, I'm a good person, so God has let me in heaven, hogwash. You'll split hell wide open with that idea. Amen. Works don't save, plain and simple. Amen. <clears throat> Turn to Acts 15. See, Paul had dealt with this before. The same situation that he's walked into, he had dealt with it before. Acts chapter 15. He went, he went to Jerusalem before, and uh, look, at, look at verse 15. And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. They're saying, you have to follow the law or you can't be saved. When, therefore, Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they threw a fit. They determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem under the apostles and elders about this question. So they did. They went up to the elders about this question. All right? Let's see. Let me try to find over here where, where he talked about it. All right, I'm jumping ahead of myself. Let me let me go ahead. Let me let me let me just let me just say this. Faith plus works don't work. It does not work. It's one of the two. Again, like I said, either the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sins. Or the blood of animals covers sins. One of the two. It can't have it both ways. And the blood of animals couldn't wash sins away. All it did make it, it, it they made an atonement. It, it it covered them, but it couldn't take it away. Amen. That's why that's why all, there's no more sacrifices of animals. Amen. Now, all that was a picture. It was a schoolmaster to point to the fact that the Lamb of God would His blood would take away the sin of the world. Amen. Now let me let me I've got tangled up here. Romans eleven six. Turn over there. That's a powerful scripture. Romans eleven six. Romans eleven. Listen to what it says. And if by grace, what is grace? Grace is God's unmerited favor. You don't deserve it. You didn't earn it. You can't do a thing to get it. 
It's, it's free. It's a gift. It's love. And if by grace you're getting something you didn't deserve, it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. Let me illustrate. Happy birthday, Johnny. Here's your All wrapped up. Got a bottle of Okay. Happy birthday. I'm going to give you a present, man. Now, hold on. My, my car, can you watch it before I go off my car? I'll let you have this. Is it a gift anymore? No. 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 So, grace means you can't do anything like earn it. It's a gift, right? All right? So, God says if it's by grace, if it's a gift, then you can't do anything to earn it. Then is it no more of works? Otherwise, grace is no more grace. It nullifies grace. Again, if you got, if you have to pay a penny for your birthday present, it ain't, it ain't a gift anymore. You earned it. You bought it. You paid for it. It's yours. You, you worked for it. Okay? But he says, but if it be of works, then is it no more grace? Otherwise, work is no more work. It's like if you're trying to stick two, two opposite sides, I mean, two same sides of a magnet together, they repel. You can't put them together hard as you want to. I mean, you get them together, it comes apart. That's the way grace and works are. You can't put them together. They're two opposite things. And works can't save you, so it's useless. Grace is all there is that is any good. <clears throat> Titus chapter 3, verse 5. We're going to go all over the place today. It's all right, though. Titus chapter 3, verse 5. You say, why are you going all these places? I want to show you it's all in the Word of God. All through it. Amen. It, 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 it's, not, it's not a secret doctrine somewhere. This is real. It's right in your face. 3, verse 5. He said, not by works of righteousness which we have done. So don't tell me you're a good person. Don't tell me you're good enough. Amen. But according to his mercy, he saved us. By his mercy. Amen. He didn't have to, but he did because he loves us. He offered us salvation according to his mercy by the washing of regeneration. That's the blood of Jesus Christ cleansing us of all sins and renewing of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost comes in to live in the heart of a believer. The moment he's washed clean of his sins. Romans 4, turn there. Romans 4, 4 through 5. Romans 4, 4 through 5. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace but of debt. If you try to work your way to heaven, God is going to hold you according to that standard. Amen. To him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace but of debt. He become a debtor to do the whole law you try to do it. Amen. It's, you either accept God's free gift of salvation or you're going to have to try to work your way there and you'll fail every time because you can't be perfect. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifies the ungodly again. It's not just believing in, it's believing on. I can't stress that to you enough, excuse me. No, running like a sieve this morning. Again, it's believing on Jesus, not in Jesus, just in Jesus. I can, you, you know, believing, again, I can the illustration of sitting on something. This is prayer bench. I mean, I, I didn't build it, but it's got to be a little thing, to be honest with you. But, but I think it'll hold me up. Y'all believe that's a, an altar here, prayer bench? Everybody here agree that's an altar, right? Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to believe on it rather than just in it. 
They muddied up the gospel with works. Strong issue with Paul. They accused Paul of preaching against the law of Moses. Did Paul preach against the law of Moses? No. No, he didn't. Galatians chapter 3. Should have stayed over there. Galatians chapter 3. Verse 24 and 25. So he said, well, Paul, you, you've been preaching You've been preaching against the law of Moses. Amen. Again, it said, They are informed of thee that thou teachest all the Jews which are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses. That means, listen, he's saying everything that the, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, all of that, you, you tell everybody just to leave all that stuff. But I want you to listen to what Paul did say. Paul, in Galatians 3, 24 and 25, he said, Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. You remember what I did a while ago when I said, How many of you have told a lie? And we all said, all, You know, all of us and stealing and all that. It's our schoolmaster. It shows you. Listen, when you sat down, when you sat down in, in, in your classroom, when you went to school, first time you went into a new class, you'd never heard anything on the subject material. You was as dumb as could be. You was green as a gourd. You didn't know what you was getting yourself into. First time you ever took algebra, first time you ever took geometry or, 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 or anything like that. Listen, but you needed somebody to teach you. And that's what the Word of God, Paul said, the Word of God is there to teach you that you need Jesus. It teaches you that you're a lost sinner. That's what the law is there. Paul's not trying to get rid of it. He's saying, it's there to show you you need Jesus. It's not there to take alongside Jesus. Okay? He said, for it's the schoolmaster. He said, but I, now listen, he says, but after that faith has come, once I've trusted Christ, he said, we're no longer under a schoolmaster. I don't have to have it, amen, because I've been forgiven, you see. I've been washed. I don't have to keep going back and getting salvation over and over and over. Listen, Jesus died for my sins once for all. Amen. He didn't die so that I have to keep coming back and getting more salvation. It, it's constant through it, constantly spread out, poured out over my whole life. I'm covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. Nothing can take that away. Amen. Hallelujah. Romans ten four. Let me read that real quick. I'm gonna wrap this up pretty soon. Romans ten four. He says, "For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. He completes it. He fulfills it." Amen. There's no more need for it because I don't have to I don't have to keep things to remind me that the Messiah is coming because he came. Amen. All right, let's get back to our text. Let's wrap this up. All right, which verse was I on? All right, I, I think I was on verse twenty two. All right, let's start let's look at verse All right, he said, What is it? The multitude must needs come together so they will hear the hour come. Do therefore this that we say unto thee, we have four men which have a vow on them. <clears throat> Take them and purify thyself with them, and be at charges with them, that they may shave their heads, and all may know that those things whereof they were informed concerning thee are nothing, but that thou thyself also walkest orderly and keepest the law. So James is asking him to do something really weird. He's saying, look, Paul, just... You need to get I got we got some guys who taken a vow. Remember Paul took shaved shaved his head once before he took a vow and all that? We got some other guys that have done that 
and said, why don't you hang out with them and, and you shave your head too and you go along with them and, and do what they do and you show everybody here that you're not one of those telling everybody to get rid of the law of Moses. He, he, he's asking him to totally go against everything he believes. Again, the people back in there's a reason why the church in Jerusalem didn't flourish. They couldn't get away from the law. Amen? So, so again, that's why the Gentile church has, has flourished throughout the world. Is because they didn't hang, they didn't have to hang on to the law. That's why I'm so scared when I see these. Uh, when I again I, in Paris, I have friends who who have fell into this uh, messianic Hebrew movement because uh, some of them have totally thrown Jesus out the window and they're they're clinging to the law of Moses now. It's a dangerous path. Amen. Christ has fulfilled it. You don't have to go back to it. All right. So let's 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 look here. Um, I lost my thought. All right, so he's he's gone. He's gone. He's saying, go with them and, and do what they do and show everybody. He said, and keep the law. Okay, verse twenty-five. Now, before I get to twenty-five, I want you to understand something. This is very similar to Acts chapter sixteen. Turn back there. I got a few minutes left. I'm gonna I'm gonna take advantage of it. Acts chapter sixteen. Look at one through three. Then he came to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess and believed. But his father was a Greek, so he was a half, he was half and half, Jew and Gentile, which was well reported by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have go with, go forth with them, and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now, let me explain this. If you weren't here before, you got you got Timothy again. He's, he's, he's his mama was a Jew, his daddy was a Greek. Now he's considered a, a Jew because his mother was a Jew, but because he was the daddy was a Greek, he never had him circumcised. And I know that's nothing to us today, but according to the Jews' religion, the child, the male child, would be circumcised the eighth day, and it was the show of, of separation under God. You know, very very similar to when somebody gets saved, we baptize them and show that they're they're separated under God. So again, Paul wanted to take Timothy with him, and he wanted to witness the Jews, but his Jews would accept him if he wasn't circumcised. So he, in order, not that he thought that that was anything, but he did it so that they would have an interest in amongst the Jews. He, in other words, he sacrificed himself. He sacrificed allowing himself to go through that surgery in order to be able to witness. Okay, and so Paul here, here, here. James said, "Look, man, you need to just you need to get in line with us, and you need to do things right." And Paul went, "Uh huh, I'm gonna go undercover." This is undercover, brother. Amen. <laughs> he he went undercover. Amen. He said, "I'm gonna shave my head. I'm gonna pretend to be just like you because I'm gonna get in there. And when I get in there amongst all of them, I'm gonna say, hey, y'all need Jesus Christ.' He 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 is he is on a a, a kamikaze suicide mission." He thinks, I'm going to get in there amongst all of them. I'm going to throw back the cloak, and I'm going to preach to them and tell them all they need to be saved, and if they kill me, they kill me. That's the plan. So let's read. Now let me, let me mention this in verse 25. He's addressing the Gentiles, James does. He says, as touching the Gentiles which believe. So according, those, those guys you've led to the Lord before, all those multitudes, we have written and concluded that they observe no such thing save only or accept only that they keep themselves from things offered to idols and need to stay away from that idolatry they were in and from blood and from things strangled 
and from fornication. So all the things that went along with that Babylonian religion they were following, they need to stay away from that stuff because it offends the Jews. Then Paul took the men. The next day, purifying himself with them, entered into the temple to signify the accomplishment of the days of purification until an offering should be offered for every one of them. So he's going along with these guys, doing the same things that they're doing. And when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews, which were of Asia, that's the guys that were up here. Remember Paul was there 30 years preaching? Everybody in Asia got saved, he said, or they heard the gospel. So he's, he's, he's in the temple. He's pretending to be just like the rest of them. And the Jews, which were of Asia, when they saw him in the temple, they said, hey, that's that guy. They stirred up all the people. They went to hooping and hollering. This is this guy that tell everybody that for St. Moses, that's him. That's that guy right there. Everybody, come on, come on. And, I mean, they got everybody all in a frenzy, and they laid hands on him. That don't mean they was praying. That means they grabbed him. All right? They grabbed him. They said, lay hands on you. They're they going to hurt you. Okay? They laid hands on him. Where am I at? I lost my, my place. Uh, okay, verse 28. Crying out, they they got they grabbed a hold of him. They're screaming at the top of their lungs, "Men of Israel, help! This is the man that teaches all men everywhere against the people and the law in this place." And further, brought Greeks also into the temple and hath polluted this holy place. This is the guy. Get him! Remember what they told him everywhere he went? There's trouble when you get down there. It's going to be trouble. For they had seen before. They had seen Paul before with him in the city of Trophimus in Ephesians. So they saw him with a Gentile whom they supposed that Paul had brought into the temple. They thought he'd brought a Gentile in there that day, and they were flipping out because that's absolutely unclean to them. And all the city was moved, and the people ran together, and they took Paul, and they drew him out of the temple. So they got him. They're running with him a crowd. You picture a crowd of people rushing through the temple, got Paul by his clothes, lifting him up, trying to get him out the door. They take him out the door, they slam him out the door like a bartender, like a bouncer throwing somebody out of a bar into the street, and they slam the door of the temple behind him and lock it. That's enough. You ruined our whole worship day. Get out of here. And the Bible said, and as they went about to kill him, they were going to kill him. Tidings came to the chief captain of the band. That's the Romans who were in charge of, of, of Israel. The chief captain of the Roman soldiers, and all, that all Jerusalem was in an uproar, who immediately took soldiers and centurions and ran down unto them. And when they saw the chief captain and the soldiers, they left beating of Paul. They were whooping him. They were going to kill him. They were beating him to death. And they stopped when they seen all the Roman soldiers come. Then the chief captain came near and took him and commanded him to be bound with two chains. And, demand, and what did they tell him? They took the girdle. They bound his hands, and they bound his feet. They said, this is what's going to happen to you. So they found him with two chains, one on his arms, one on his feet, just like, the, just like the prophecy said that they would. And they demanded who he was and what he had done. And some cried one thing, and some cried another among the multitude. And when he could not know the certainty, there were so many people yelling, he couldn't tell, the commander couldn't tell what was going on. He commanded him to be carried into the castle. So they took him into the Roman fort. And when he came up upon the stairs, so it was that he was born of the soldiers for the violence of the people. They were carrying him on their shoulders, I guess, up high to get him away from the people. For the multitude of the people following, followed after crying away with him. Isn't this amazing? Now, remember what happened with Jesus when they wanted to get rid of Jesus? They said, well, according to our law, we can't kill him. 
Uh, you, the Romans, will have to do it. So they turn him over to the Romans to kill him. But they're so mad at Paul. They're mad at Paul. They were at Jesus. They wanted to kill. They were going to kill Paul themselves. They were going to go against their own law to do it. And as Paul was to be led into the castle, he said to the chief captain, "May I speak unto thee?" Who said, "And I speak Greek?" Because I'm sure he spoke to him in Greek. And he's like, because Greek, you see, Alexander the Great had conquered the world, so the whole world spoke Greek. You ever heard of all Greek to me? You know, this because it's all over the world. And uh, so anyway, he blew this guy away because this guy didn't know who he was. So he speaks Greek to him. He says, Art thou not that Egyptian which before these days made us an uproar and led us out into the wilderness, 4,000 men that were murderers? So they thought he was that guy. They thought he was an Egyptian. Now, let me ask you, Paul was not a black man, but he definitely had a very, very dark skin. I mean, he spent his time walking everywhere he went. He spent his time on a lot of boats in the sun. So he had a very, very, very dark tan. They thought he was an Egyptian. Okay? So he's like, no, 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 no. I'm not the Egyptian. I'm not, I'm not Egyptian. He, 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 said, he said, Paul said, I'm a man which I'm a, I'm a Jew of Tarsus, a city of Cilicia, a citizen of no mean city, which means I'm not from some unknown place. He said, and I beseech you, I beg you, suffer me, let me speak unto the people. And when he had given him license, Paul stood on the stairs and beckoned with his hand unto the people. And when there was made a great silence, he spake unto them in the Hebrew tongue, saying, and we're going to stop right there because the whole next chapter is his speech, and we're not going to go any further. But I, I, wanted, I wanted to get to that point because that will be a good jumping-off point next week. The main message is this. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I don't care who you are. I don't care what's happening in your life. It all comes down to one of two things. Do, did, is Jesus going to save you or are you going to try to save yourself? You can take every person who's ever known anything about religion. I don't care if they're, they're a priest or some kind of a shaman or some kind of a uh, imam or, 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 or whatever they may be. You can put all of them in the whole wide world. All the religious leaders, the witch doctors, and everybody, and all the preachers and the pastors, and put them all in one big room and let them argue for a thousand years over how somebody gets saved. And they only come out of there with one of two answers either God does it or man does it. And man can't do it. So it all comes down to what are you trusting to get you to heaven? What are you trusting in? Are you trusting in? Are you trusting in? In the blood that was that was shed by God, His only Son, on the cross of Calvary to pay the debt for your sins, or are you trying to, to cobble together some kind of a, a, a works-based salvation that you're going to try to hold up before God, like Cain tried to hold up his garden before God and say, "Look what I did," and God's going to reject it? Or you can believe on the, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can believe on that shed blood. When Abel, his brother who he killed, pictured in his sacrifice of blood on that altar of the Lamb, he would say, I believe in the Lamb that's coming. And I believe in the Lamb that came. And you do this to so. Amen. It's not anything we've done. Not the works of righteousness which we have done according to his mercy. He saved us. Amen. It's all about the blood. And I say to you this morning, I want you to look at your own soul and ask yourself this question. Did I trust the blood of Jesus Christ. Am I trusting now the blood of Jesus Christ? If if I if I if I drew my last breath sitting in here this morning, would it be what you've done in your life that you try to hold up before God, or would you say, In my hand, no price I bring simply to the cross, I could 
is it the blue? Let's say it again. I'm going to have her come. We're going to sing a song of invitation. And I'm going to ask you this morning, you think it over. You think it over. There's people listening in to us this morning on the Internet that needs to think it over. Listen, we all need to think it over this morning. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you saved? Amen. You know what? That's the one we need to sing, sister. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? I'm going to find that number real quick. Are you washed in the blood? That's number 40. We're going to sing number 40 this morning. But I, I, I want you to think about it this morning as we sing these words because it, it, it makes all the difference between heaven and hell forever and ever and ever. And you think about this this morning. There will be people in hell 10 million years from now who have been in there screaming and burning and agony every second of time. And it's just like it just started because I still got eternity to give I wouldn't have hell for nobody. I believe on Jesus today. Amen. We're going to pray. Father, I just pray, Lord, Holy Ghost of God, do your work. Work in the hearts of, of men, women, boys, and girls. Draw people to Calvary. Draw them to that cross where their salvation fall in through. Lord, somebody can get saved in here this morning. Lord, somebody can get saved wherever they're at. All they have to do is get on their knees before you. So I, I just sit down right where they're at and say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I want to be washed clean. Wash me in your blood. Save my soul. I trust you and I believe on you today. Lord, we know it's not magic words, it's believing in our hearts. And I pray, Lord, that that happened today for somebody. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Number 40. <laughs>